Welcome to The Mental Cast, powered by Soul Performance Academy. The Mental Cast is a podcast focused on the topics and people helping drive us forward in leadership, learning, and our personal journeys. Just a reminder, you can send in your questions using the hashtag AskDanMickle, A-S-K-D-A-N-M-I-C-K-L-E, or sending an email to info at danmickle.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Mental Cast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Mental Cast. I'm your host, Dan Mickle, and this is Season 3, Episode 8, recorded on November 30th, 2021, and the title of this episode is why I walked away. And I don't like doing disclaimers before I start, but I need to do a little bit of a disclaimer here. I am completely going off script on this. I am um, not doing this pre-prepared. I wanted it to be really straight from the heart and true to my emotions. It's a little bit of a tough topic. And also, it's more about my journey. So I don't want it to feel like I'm throwing shade at anyone or I'm upset with anyone. But I just want to really talk about my journey and some of the issues that I've had with club volleyball specifically. It can be obviously a broader situation with youth sports, but I just really kind of want to talk to it. So there might be some times where I do get a little flustered or maybe even possibly choked up during this conversation. And I've just decided that I'm not doing any post edits. Other than, you know, sound quality and enhancements, I'm not going to edit out any breakdowns or issues I have. Hopefully I don't have any. I honestly don't know where this conversation is going to go, but I just really decided to make it organic, hit record and kind of go without any notes or thoughts. So again, I thank you in advance for your grace and kind of understanding where I'm coming from with this. And with that, let's just kind of hop right into the topic for me. So as I said earlier, the topic of this episode is called Why I Walked Away, and I really wanted to explore my personal journey on why I left club volleyball specifically and the few people that I've talked on a personal level about it seem to have had similar experiences or going through the same thing and really kind of pushed me to maybe talk about this and share my story. And I really want to begin by saying this is not about putting anyone on blast or throwing shade to anyone. I really just wanted to talk about what my mindset is, what I was thinking and, and where we go from here. Um, Everything's good. All the relationships are good that are involved in this story. So I don't want anyone to think that it's such a, you know, a bad thing. It was just my evolution. So to give a little bit of the backstory for those of you that don't know me personally, um, I've been coaching youth volleyball since 1992. I graduated in the summer of 92 and got my first coaching job in August of 92. And that has morphed over the years. It started as a club volleyball coach that went to a high school JV coach, then a high school varsity coach. And during that period, then I also became a co-club director for a volleyball club, a local one. And we had, I think at our peak, 
10 boys teams and 12 girls teams. I mean, we were running anywhere between 18 and 24 teams per season. Um, it was already an established club. The owners were looking to get out. Um, and myself and another coach that was with the club and actually played for the club as a youth, uh, were kind of handed the reins and we kind of split up the duties and took over the club. And then also in that time I coached men's junior college and then obviously became an assistant women's division three coach and then eventually taking over the program, uh, women's division three volleyball. So that's kind of the backstory. And and it's really, I think, important just to kind of know the progression, um, the connection with the club that I ended up becoming the co-director with. Uh, there was one year where my high school team put a team together and that club was gracious enough to let us come under their banner for registrations and to handle the logistics. So I didn't have to deal too much with that. So, um, and then once that team was done, I just kind of stayed on and ended up coaching a typical, you know, normal mixed athlete, uh, club team for them. And when the opportunity presented itself to take over the club with the partner, um, you know, I was, had a lot of thoughts. I, I wasn't sure that I wanted that responsibility. I was getting ready to, I mean, I was already married, but we were getting ready to start a family. And I just didn't know about the time commitment. And I thought the best way that we could do it is just kind of split the duties. And he would handle most of the athletic side, the, you know, finding the coaches and, um, the gym times and the gym space and the events. And, and I would handle most of the business side, the finances, the payables, the receivables, the billing, you know, kind, kind of all that stuff. I felt like that would be just an easier load for me. And um, he's passionate about the the teaching side and, and the, that side of the administration. So it, it worked out pretty well. Um, I did stay on coaching. I coached a, a few more years while I was director and this isn't really a nightmare story. You know, it was your typical youth sports. We've had really good teams. We produced an Olympian, a ton of college, you know, champions, All-Americans, et cetera, state champions. Um, you know, there's the typical up and downs, parent issues, player issues, coach issues, you know, nothing completely, you know, off the rails or anything, you know, super bad or, you know, anything like that. But what I started to realize over time was that my philosophies, um, both as a coach and educator, didn't really line up with the philosophies of the other partner. Um, his focus and what my focus were and my vision and his vision just weren't really the same. And to my fault, I think neither of us really followed what our mission statement was. You know, you know, you sit down and you create the mission statement for your club or your business and I think we just kind of carried on what it was from the previous owners, and neither of us really bought into it. It wasn't a bad mission statement. I mean, it, it made sense and it sounded good, but I don't think either of us were truly sold on that mission statement. And um, 
as things progressed, I stepped away from coaching. Um, and then my involvement became less and less. Um, I mean, for the last three years that I was code owner, um, I probably stepped into the gym maybe four times. Um, I was just handling, you know, payments and fundraising and, and helping organize some of that stuff. But I really didn't interact with our coaches. I couldn't tell you our players. And, you know, that's a problem when, you, when you're the owner of the club and you actually out in public and you run into someone wearing your swag and you don't know who they are. You know, that becomes an issue. Um, and then you add on top of it just the philosophy differences. Um, you know, what I thought we should be teaching, um, what I thought we should be doing as a club was vastly different than what his vision was. And again, I have no problem with his vision. Um, if if that's what he wants, um, that's fine. It just became evident to me um, that they just weren't the same. And it really just got to the point where it was frustrating. And it was frustrating because when the club is split like that, eventually the players or the stakeholders also become sort of split. And I started to feel like these factions were, were developing. You know, some of the players, some of the parents, you know, would come to me and want things. And others were, you know, clearly on his side. And I hate to say it that way because I don't want to make it seem like it was contentious or bad. Um, it was just their views and our views were, were completely different. Um, and I didn't feel like I had the power or even had the right to really try and change anything because he's the one that's in the gym with them, working with the coaches and the parents and the players. And, and that was the deal. You know, I, I was going to handle the business side. Um, so finally, it just got to the point where I was losing sleep. And, and look, anyone, for the most part, anyone that's involved in youth sports, except for those super mega clubs or, or basketball apparently doesn't make a million dollars. It's not like we were, you know, driving Lamborghinis and having summer homes in Maui. Um, but part of the problem also was you get used to having that extra couple hundred bucks a month, um, you know, groceries or cable bill, you know, things that help. So I don't know if I just kind of hung on too long because it was easy for me to justify, well, I'm getting a couple extra bucks a month here from that, or I can travel with the teams and go to events um, that normally I maybe wouldn't be traveling to if it was completely out of pocket. And, and it just got to the point where it didn't feel right for me. I was working and getting paid, I guess, for lack of a better term and traveling on the dime of something that I fundamentally started to not believe in. Um, and I also then started to feel a disconnect with our coaches. And, you know, it's one thing when you have a business partner that you disagree with. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because it keeps kind of a check and balances, but when you start to have a disconnect with your coaches and the people that are directly impacting, you know, your client base or the people. And for me, you know, the people I want to serve, the players, um, that's a problem. And the more and more 
I saw new coaches coming in and obviously, you know, people are recruiting coaches that match the style and their vision. And again, I have no problem with that. Um, it was just more and more, it started to go against what my vision was and, and how I, I saw things or wanted things. Um, so I've, I, I decided I was walking away. Um, I, I didn't grow up playing in that club. I only coached that club for one year, two years, sorry, two years prior to becoming the, the co-owner. So it's not like I had a loyalty thing. Um, I wasn't loyal to the area. I mean, I enjoyed the history of it and I, I thank the original owners, um, you know, for everything that they did to help me, but I wasn't super tied to it. And I realized that the, the couple of bucks a month wasn't worth it. Um, and just decided it was time to walk. And originally I planned to do that after the, I guess it'd be the 2019 season, um, and, and do a transition. Obviously you're talking about, you know, stopping an LLC. So, you know, the partner can create a new one. And, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of little things, balancing the books, doing the final tax returns, like all that stuff. And, um, then COVID hit and I just felt like it was a wrong time to jump. Things were crazy and I didn't want anyone hanging and I just thought it would be better to get through that year. And so, you know, I ended up staying on last year and I actually had to coach in an emergency. And at first I thought, well, maybe coaching will kind of get me back and I won't leave. You know, it, it kind of would re invigorate me or, you know, refocus me. And if anything, it did the opposite. Coaching that team for that one weekend really solidified that my philosophies were different than the clubs. You know, it was no longer a difference between just me and the partner. It has completely morphed. And for the most part, I was an outcast. Um, and again, not in a bad way. I mean, it's not like I was treated poorly or anything like that. It just became evident that how I thought we sh should be training, what we should be doing, you know, the extra stuff. It just it became really evident to me that I no longer fit and I wasn't willing to fight to make it fit. And I don't know that I could have fought to make it fit. Um, so I decided you know, that solidified it. Coming back from that trip, I knew I was done. So, you know, we finish out the season and, and we're still kind of the, the LLC is waiting for the final tax returns to finish. But for the most part, I mean, everything is completely done. I'm out of it. They're running this season and I have zero involvement at all. Um, nothing at all. Um, I handed over the website, you know, everything and, and, and wish them well. And, and I'm still proud of them. I'm, I'm absolutely proud to have been part of that history. Um, but it, it really, it shook me. It shook me because I saw the little changes and I think maybe if I would have done a little bit more, it could have been a little bit more of my vision. Um, but that was my choice. I decided to be completely hands off. Um, and it just didn't feel like home anymore for me. So I walked away and I don't know what I expected. I, I don't, I, I, I was hoping nothing bad happened. It's not like I walked away and I'm like, Oh, I hope they fail. 
I hope they call me because they miss me. Like, like none of that. I, I hoped they succeeded, and they have, and, and I'm absolutely ecstatic about that. Um, but I didn't realize the void or the emptiness that I would feel doing it. But the weird part was I wasn't sure what the emptiness was. It wasn't an emptiness of power for lack of a better term of running a club it wasn't the emptiness of not being in the gym and then I realized that the problems that I had and what was kind of going on was not just related to that club in particular as much as it's what I was starting to see nationally and everywhere it was the trend it was like being with this organization and how it was changing and what was changing was just basically a microcosm of what was actually going on worldwide nationwide um, in youth sports and that really really weighed on me and I struggled with what do I do? Do I just walk away from it completely, focus on my other business ventures, my college team, you know, and and all of those things? And that's kind of when I realized that, no, this could be a fight that I want to do everywhere. And I just wasn't sure. I, I was really just kind of I was mopey, I guess, to say it. And I'm sure my family and my wife would tell you that I was on edge. And I still have been. I, I mean, this is very fluid for me. I mean, it's been basically six months that I've been completely out of it. I'm still kind of dealing with the emotional side of it. But what saves me or is in the process of saving me is other relationships and finding those organizations or those people that are like-minded and working on those same goals. And that's where, and I'm going to call them out by name and I already kind of warned them about it, but that's where, you know, Tim and Nick Mariama from 630 Volleyball in Chicago really come in and 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 Alex actually when it was Chicago you know Chicago sand a few years ago um Tim and Alex approached me and gave me a really amazing opportunity that to this day I still don't think I deserved to come and work with their Chicago Beach Club and just work on the mental side of their athletes and also, you know, some of the beach, because I, I really do enjoy the beach club and the beach coaching scene. Um, and they even helped me um, get to nationals at Siesta Key a few years ago to work with their teams. And I don't really know if Tim and Alex will ever know how much that moment I won't say saved my life. Like it was never like a, oh my God, I'm out of club volleyball and I'm suicidal or, you know, it was never like that. Um, but there was a moment in there where I considered walking away from everything volleyball. Like I just felt like 
the changes of the scenery and the environment and what was going on nationally was not where I wanted to go. Um, and I just didn't know if I wanted to be a part of it at all anymore. And Tim and Alex came by at the perfect time with a perfect opportunity. And it was ugly in the sense of you think you know what you want to do and you think you're prepared for it. But then when you actually get in front of the players or in situations, it doesn't follow script. So what I had in mind for those trainings and what we ended up doing was not the same. Um, it worked out well and it worked out, I think, really well, especially for me, it worked out well. I, I, I assume and I think from them and talking from them, they were happy with it. But I think we both realized we could do a lot more. Um, so after that, you know, summer was done and I'm now getting to the point where I'm, you know, the current point where I'm going to leave my indoor club um, Tim and his brother Nick, who now kind of reform and, and, and start a great club in Chicago, 630 Volleyball, kind of reach out and say, we want to do more. And I mean, I was probably, and again, I don't, this is probably the first they're hearing it, but I was like, I felt like the ugly kid in school that just got asked to the prom by the most popular person. Um, it was exactly what I needed again at the right moment. And um, yeah, I'm getting a little emotional here because the more I think about it, like I just don't know that they know the impact that them asking um, had on me and not just volleyball. It really had a huge impact on my you know, mental performance company, what I was going to do with Soul Performance Academy, what I wanted to do with myself and, and what my future entailed. And, um, you know, they asked me if I would be willing to work with their leadership academy, which is, you know, their their top players, you know, in leadership roles across the whole club is, you know, 20 kids. And we ended up starting and working on a program for five weeks. I was meeting with these kids and, you know, it, it, it was your typical how you work with kids. Like the first meeting's kind of weird. No one wants to talk. No one really knows anyone. They don't see any value. They just want to get in the gym and play. And I think by the end of it, we had some really good stuff and had some really real good growth. And you know, as a consequence of working with them in that situation, um, I got some private clients from their club that I got to work with um, a bunch of guys one on one all season long that were just amazing. And the parents were receptive and involved. And I just realized that that's what's missing, that that is why I walked away. And that's what's missing from so many clubs, we, we spend 1000s and 1000s of dollars to have these kids. Um, and, and their kids, I don't care if they're u 10 up to u 18, they're still kids. But we spend all this money to have them train in this sport. And it's not just volleyball, it's it's basketball and the soccer clubs that I work with. It, I mean, it's universal. But we spend all this money on the physical side and the travel side and the exposure and the recruiting. But we're just not doing anything on the mental side. Um, 
And I just decided that that that's really the space I need and want to be in that I enjoy to be in. Um, and so that moment and that leadership academy and those phone calls leading up to the creation of it really sparked the resurgence of my passion and what I wanted to do. I was literally probably two months away from walking away from the sport completely. Um, you know, in previous podcasts, I think in season one or season two, I talked about how as a player, I was ready to walk away until I found sitting volleyball in that community. And that saved me as a player. And this is almost, I, I mean, it's, it's beyond that actually, but it's almost the same thing um, in the sense that had Nick and Tim not made those phone calls and sent those feelers out, I don't know where I would be. I, I truly don't. I don't know if I'd be a college coach. I don't know what I'd be doing because I was just at that point. I, I wouldn't call it burnout. I just didn't have faith anymore that the landscape could change or that it was different elsewhere. Um, you know, and it's funny because when I still talk with those guys today, it's, they're so gracious and like, thank you for working with us and we can't work, wait to do more. And I just, I can't put in words to them how much it's the opposite. Like, God, like this was, this is you. Like I'm where I am and I'm doing what I am because of you. Um, I mean, obviously, I've gone on and done more projects and, you know, through quarantine, doing the podcast and trying to get more content. But I don't know that any of that would have happened without those phone calls. If it would have happened without, you know, Tim and Alex making the phone call to work with Chicago Sand and then continuing it with Nick and Tim at 630. Um, and then that leads to to now. And, and I guess I'm going to let the cat out of the bag a little bit, but. You know, 6.30 is fielding a, a pro team in the NVA, the 6.30 Slunkers, um, who are named after one of their clothing sponsors, who, by the way, has amazing product. Um, I have their hot dog shorts, but, you know, Slunks clothing. Um, and I get to be the official, you know, mental performance coach for that pro team. Um, and... I'm super excited and stoked about that. But why this kind of all relates and, and how I tie it all together is what was really driving me away and pushing me away was so much attention was being focused on recruiting the best players and trying to win medals and spending all this money on weight rooms and training and speed and agility, but, but no one's spending time on the soft skills and anytime a sport budget comes up or there's cuts, you know, being talked about one of the first thing they say is, well, we need sports because they teach things like conflict resolution and leadership and community. But the problem is they don't. They just don't inherently teach it. There has to be programs, philosophies um, in place. And I tell Nick and Tim this 
almost every year. Uh, they're probably sick of hearing it, but other than the fact that them throwing me the lifeline, one of the reasons I said yes is because they had a vision, they had a plan. And it was about creating the culture, the culture first, and then the success will follow. And I guess that's kind of where I'm at and and what this episode is about is we've lost the focus on culture. We're so focused on winning, which I guess is technically its own culture, but we're recruiting kids to replace kids that are better. We're expanding teams, pulling from bigger areas to get bigger fish, you know, but if we don't have the culture and the processes and the policies and just who are we, does it matter? What's going to be, you know, the, the legacy of those programs. So that really has just been my, my mission the last year when I'm working with new clients, the first thing I ask when they call me is, what are you? What's your identity now? And I just kind of need to know, like, what do you expect? I, I, I don't want to just come in and do mental skills training so that your elite athletes can get better. I mean, that's awesome and that's a great goal, but I want these people to be better citizens of the world. I want you to have a club that's going to make these people, the 98% of them or whatever the current number is, that aren't ever going to play volleyball in college or play professionally, but are going to be members of society, are going to get better. I want you to be able to say sports create better communication, conflict resolution, camaraderie, all of that, because you're actually training in that. And it's hard because we don't see the returns right away. You don't see the sweat equity like you do in the weight room or on the court when you're practicing skills and all of a sudden you become better at a skill. We don't see that right away with the mental training. And I don't want to sound like this is a commercial for my services. But I don't think spending $500 for a team, you know, a team of 10, that's 50 bucks a person. Or depending on what we're doing, it, it may be even 250 bucks, so 25 bucks a person. On mental skills is a stretch. I, I, I just, it should be incorporated. And there's a lot of us out there. It's not just about me and me trying to sell you on me. It has nothing to do with that. This is clearly about my journey and my path and, and kind of what I'm feeling. But there's a lot of us out there that, have a lot of great ideas, but we need to have the buy-in. I mean, we are a, a great community. You know, I get to run ideas and chat with people and there's so many great people out there, whether it's Cindy or Ann or Lindsay, you know, all these people doing great, you know, mental performance coaching or sports psychology, you know, whatever level they're on. But the fact that it's still hard to sell that on teams and clubs is amazing. Like the fact that I have to justify or we have to, you know, beg for, hey, I just need 10 minutes of practice with your team. You know, 20 minutes a week, 30 minutes a week um, is, is just weird to me. But that's the mission and that's what I'm trying to change. I'm glad it's weird. It's a space. You know, everyone's. 
hey, click this content, watch this video, read this book, but it's more than that. You need to go beyond that. You need to incorporate it. And that's really what I got with this opportunity. And then that's what I'm trying to pass on. Um, you know, this past year I've worked with five, five different clubs, um, a total of, I think, 45 different teams across six different sports in the last year. And the common thread's all the same. You know, we can develop the talent, but how do we develop the mindset? How do we develop the motivation, the drive? And it isn't about, hey, I'm going to give you a a one-minute talk. It's about, okay, we need to set up a plan. And while a lot of those plans are the same, it it needs to be a bit individualized. You know, there's going to be some nuances to each team or program or how I work with a basketball team is different than how I work with a soccer team. Um, but, but that's really kind of where I'm at and I'm excited. I'm, I'm stoked to be working with 630 and their leadership Academy and their pro team. And, you know, who knows what else we're going to do and all the other clubs that I'm working with. Um, but I guess the whole purpose of this episode is to show at some point we need to find our passion, but we also have to let go of our past at times. There's just a time when it's it's time to walk away. It's time to say goodbye from something and start something new. And that can be really, really tough. And it's okay to understand that there's going to be different philosophies, but there's just a point where you have to decide, are you going to try and change the philosophies or move on to something else that fits into your philosophy? And I guess if I had a, a big takeaway from this and I just got an email from, from a random stranger asking about this question, you know, where do you even start with any of this? And, and the first thing is, what do you as an organization stand for? Go beyond the BS of just making a mission statement that you want to throw on your website. But do you truly believe that? You know, I, I work a lot with coaches and talking about coaching philosophy, but what's your organizational philosophy? Because what good is a coaching philosophy if it doesn't fit your organizational philosophy? It has to go beyond the we want to grow players and make them better, you know, community people and top elite athletes. You have to go deeper than that. What do you want your players to leave your program with other than the skill of your sport? And if you say things like conflict resolution, decision making, time management, all of that, then how are you doing it? Because just saying that sports inherently are going to give that to them is not going to happen. Some things might develop might not develop correctly. You know, we hear it all the time. I want my players to come talk to me. I don't want to hear from the parents. But if the players don't know how to approach or have conversations yet because they haven't been put in those situations, aren't you shortchanging them by forcing them to have those conversations? Why not work on a policy? Hey, the first time we'll meet with you and your parents and we'll talk about it and we'll set the guidelines of moving forward. And then from that point on, maybe you just talk with the athlete. Or just making someone a captain of a team, but not giving them any training. Hey, congratulations, you're the captain of this 15U team. Now I need you to lead the team and pull them together when times are tough. When it's hard for you as a 15U to keep your stuff together. 
Now you want me to hide, try and keep the rest of the team without giving them any tools. Are you going or willing to put in those times? And that's really what I've come out of this journey with is we need to start forcing this issue. When you're sitting down and thinking about your training program for your next year or your next season or your budgets for the next year, next season, what are you putting into it for these skills? If the game is 90% mental, like the quote seems to love, why is it less than 1% of your time budget and less than 1% of your money budget? Right? And it doesn't have to be cash. It doesn't have to be. It could be time. Trade for something else. Figure it out. Maybe you have someone near you that needs hours to get their certifications and they can work with your team or your club. I've said it before. Reach out to them. But the lack of philosophy, the lack of vision and the lack of being on the page is going to drive people away from sports more than the other issues that we see on the television all the time, like the angry parents or the referee issues. They all start with having a philosophy. If you have teams and players going off on referees or you have parents that are uncontrollable, then it's a lack of your philosophy. You can say, well, I can't control every aspect of it, but you can. If this is how... Your club is set up. This is how we're going to act. This is what we expect of our parents. This is what we expect for our players. And if they don't follow them, do something about it. Because ultimately, that's your sales flyer. In youth sports, your sales flyer is how other people see your teams. What's going to make someone come to your team versus the team they're playing with now is how they see you. And it used to be a lot about the wins and losses, but people are starting to wake up and realizing it's starting to be more about the development. Because if you build the culture, the rest will come. The wins, the glory, whatever else you want, it's a heck of a lot easier to achieve and sustain if you have the culture in place. So again, that's where my story is. I realized I was in a place where my culture was not what I was in what I wanted. My philosophy, my vision was not the same. And I had to make that choice whether to try and change it or walk away. And again, it's not a diss. It's not shade. It's not anything on the aspect of that club. It's just I didn't mix with that any longer. I no longer was part of it. It was like a divorce. I was no longer in love so it was time to walk away. I'm not going to stay married to it just because we were. It was time for me to walk away and really just reassess and look at everything. And those moments will happen. It, it really will. When you're not looking for or at your darkest or your lowest moments, those moments will happen. I was thrown a lifeline that I didn't really expect. It didn't seem like it at the time. It just seemed like an opportunity, but it really did turn into the lifeline for me professionally um, in that sense. And I will forever, forever be grateful to those guys. And I'm excited 
for this new venture with them on both sides, on the 635, on the Slunker side. I'm excited for all the clubs that I'm now working with. And it's a process. And sometimes it's rough. Sometimes people don't see the value in it, but eventually they will. And sometimes I have to adjust. My training's not always perfect for everyone, so I have to adjust. I have to learn. But I know what my mission now is. I know what my philosophy is. I know what I want moving forward, and that makes it a lot easier because I can look at, is this just an incompatibility between me and a client with my philosophies, or is it my process is broke? Is there something wrong with how I'm training? But if we don't know what our philosophies are, you're just going to end up in a divorce, I guess, for lack of a better term, you know, end up in a sports business divorce. So yeah, I, I know this is kind of like a, it sounds maybe like a downer, but it really is inspirational for me. So I, I take it as a positive. I'm sorry if it doesn't come across as a positive episode, but it really is a positive. And I just, I don't want to name everyone. Um, you know, but there have been so many people, obviously my family, my my wife, my kids, my parents, like everyone around me has been really supportive of this and kind of helping me get through it. And obviously, and Nick and Tim and Alex were just huge lifesavers. And, you know, I have a, a great circle of coaching mentors, you know, Brian and Pete and Kessel and Eric. And I mean, I literally could just BJ, Katie, Jen, like, I, I mean, I literally could just keep rattling off names that have always been there. But what I realized were the people that have always been there for me and supported me were people that had the same philosophies as me. And that's not by mistake. So start to figure out what your philosophies are. doesn't matter what your job is, what your passion is. You have to have some sort of philosophy around it. And stay true to it. And sometimes it's going to hurt. And sometimes it's going to be lonely. But in the long run, it's going to be much better for you. And if you're a club and you don't know where to start, reach out. Again, I'm not trying to sell you on my services, but we can at least start with a chat and just figure out what you may need. How you can integrate things and 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 such. And, and that's just kind of where I stand. And, and, you know, the last couple of months have been tough trying to figure out and realizing and, you know, all these things happen. And it was obviously the lifeline. But but the last couple of months, we're just still trying to figure out, did I do the right thing? Am I in the right place? And I finally realized that I am like, it was rough. And I went silent for a little bit. I mean, obviously, I had my season where I was coaching. So I was focused on that. But Man, I'm just glad to be where I'm at. And it's still going to be a long road. And there's always going to be challenges. But I certainly feel like I actually have a roadmap now. And I know the people around me understand my vision. Maybe not the day-to-day or the little details, but they know my big picture. And that's what keeps me motivated. So thank you for listening to me ramble um, on this episode i really do appreciate it and i should have one more episode before the end of the year not sure what that's going to be whether it'll be an interview or what i do have a lot more people lined up for season four which will kick off in january of 2022 so again thank you feel free to visit my website danmickle.com or soul's website at soulperformanceacademy.com 
Hit us up on all social media at 717 Soul or at Real Dan Mickle across everything. I love getting the questions and the comments and the discussions. So feel free to interact and share and just spread the word of what we're trying to do. And, and that's really just make things a little bit more positive and relatable to the world, not just through, you know, being better athletes or better coaches, just better citizens of the world. And that's what I look forward to. So again, um, at 717soul, at realdanmickle, danmickle.com, soulperformancecommy.com. And I look forward to the next episode before the end of the year and hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving for my American friends. Um, but yeah, so that's it. Thank you and don't suck. Thank you for listening to The Mental Cast, powered by Soul Performance Academy and hosted by Dan Mickle. You can always reach the show on all social media platforms at the username at RealDanMickle or via the show's website at danmickle.com. Don't forget to check out our title sponsor, Soul Performance Academy, at the username at 717soul and on their website, 717soul.com. We hope you can join us for our next episode.